Welcome to Power Conversations at RBL Bank. This is a special edition series where we are in conversation with inspiring women founders who will share with us their startup journeys. In today's episode of Leading Ladies, we are welcoming Mabel Chaco, co-founder and CEO of Bank Open, Asia's first neo-banking platform offering business banking solutions fully digitalized for SMEs. Mabel is a serial entrepreneur and a digital, a fintech innovator. She, along with her partner, Anish, has founded three startups prior to Open. Their first startup, CashNet, a mobile plug and play and financial inclusion solution was launched in 2007. They thereafter built Neativity Wireless, the NFC-based payments processing platform in 2009 and followed that by Switch Payments, uh, the India's first developer-led payments platform in 2013. This was later sold to Citrus Pay in 2015. Mabel is one of India's leading women in fintech and has been conferred with many awards, including the uh, Le Women Leader of the Year Award by uh, the India Fintech Association in 2019 and Startup Leader of the Year Award by the Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology, Government of India. I am absolutely delighted to welcome you, Mabel, and I'm so looking forward to our conversation from one traditional banker to another. I think, to, an, to a new banker, I think this is going to be a conversation that will give us many insights. Welcome to Power Conversations, Mabel. Thanks a lot, Devika. That was a wonderful, elaborate introduction that you did for me. Uh, truly appreciate that. And it's uh, so awesome to be talking to another woman in fintech, uh, in financial services, uh, uh, about you know women entrepreneurship and, and other things. So it's really wonderful to have uh, this conversation with you today. So I'm very curious, Mabel, um, your previous startups have been largely in the payments space. So I want to understand that what is it that you all were trying to solve for when you launched Open? What were the gaps that you saw that you went um, uh, from payments, which is largely your uh, area of expertise into neo-banking? Right. So uh, one of the things we figured out, Devika, uh, was that uh, you know, uh, so much of transactions that happen through the online payment gateway and, you know, other methods, so much more happens directly into the bank account. And, uh, you know, uh, in, in my previous stints doing uh, Zwitch uh, or at, you know, Citrus Pay and Payo, uh, where I was leading marketing, I got a lot of insights from uh, users who used to say that, uh, you know, you've done this to solve, help me to reconcile all the transactions that are happening through the transaction to the payment gateway because I get a settlement report and I know exactly who made that payment. But then my bank account is so complicated. I'm, I always have to tra track things using UTR numbers. And unless I get the UTR number uh, from the user, uh, I'm really not you know, sure whether the payment has come in uh, as been for this particular invoice or not. So that, uh, you know, somewhere uh, was a very big eye opener for us saying that there's so much more transactions that happen directly with the bank account that's ultimately even if you do settlements of a payment gateway it's going into a bank account so the bank account being uh, such a powerful tool where all the money coming in and money is going out 
if you're able to make that smarter uh, in some way, uh, you know, it would become, uh, it would ease out a lot of other hassles, which actually lead to, you know, at least two to four hours of a week uh, for small business owners uh, that they spend in, you know, just basic recon and uh, accounting tasks. So uh, those are things where, uh, you know, we started working uh, upon the banking layer. And then, you know, maybe what we realized is that all the tools that small businesses or other businesses use are all disjointed from the banking uh, layer itself. And the thought was to integrate all of that in one single layer, integrate it along with the banking layer and then offer it to small businesses so that it becomes a more uh, powerful tool. The bank account itself becomes a more powerful tool um, that is able to automate all these tasks. So that's how the thought process for starting uh, open uh, began. And, um, you know, I would say that none of these things are something that uh, uh, banks have not already thought about. So a lot of things like, it, it's just that, you know, it's always been available for slightly uh, larger uh, set of users. And most of the small businesses tend to be on the retail side of things. Whereas, you know, there are transaction banking groups that cater to specific needs of uh, slightly mid to large uh, enterprises and, and clients. So try to democratize that, uh, try and make that a little more available for small businesses. Uh, and at the same time, you know, for the partner bank, it should not be something that becomes a cost overhead or, you know, becomes a liability. So try to uh, find a middle ground uh, where all these services can be enabled even for the smaller guys, irrespective of uh, you know whether they are whether whether they do crores in transactions or lakhs in transactions, and yet make it a profitable uh, uh, you know engagement both for the partner bank as well as for the fintechs and everyone else involved in the entire ecosystem. So that's the thought and vision by which we started out with uh, new banking. Yeah, um, I mean even on the regulator side as well. If you see uh, you know. Indian regulator RBI is uh, much more proactive uh, than you know other markets like US and all or UK where PSD2 and other things came in and then drove that option. Uh, here, uh, at least uh, you know the RBI has come up with a way for fintechs to work along with banks and uh, be in a regulated environment. The uh, banks also ensure that you know the fintechs that they deal with uh, don't really. Uh, are not just you know fly by night operators that they take compliance really seriously and there's a proper report and auditing and things happening. So Indian market that way is way more structured than uh, many developed markets, uh, which was a surprising thing that came to me. But uh, yeah, I'm so much happy that you know uh, I'm doing this here now in fintech in India uh, and uh, not in some other part of the world. You know, you talked about regulator and we will come back to that in detail. Uh, also, from what you just shared with us, it is very clear that going forward, the fintech market in India and the banking market in India uh, would largely constitute of a collaboration between the traditional bank and the neo banks. Uh, so this is going to be uh, the way forward for us to give an enhanced and a much more productive customer experience to clients, be it corporate or individual, right? Be it on the corporate side or the retail side. So what um, I would like to understand from you, what are these trends of the traditional bank today that you see play out? What are the strengths of the neo bank? And what areas or what synergies would one need to focus on for this to be a successful partnership and collaboration? 
So uh, they refer many times, you know, in my conversations with other fintech founders, you know, some not just in India but some other parts of the world, they come up with this thing that uh, Bill Gates once said: uh, banking is necessary, banks are not, and all of it. And I don't really believe in that because banks are great fund managers; they know exactly, you know, uh, how to handle the money, how to make it grow for the customer, and all of that. Those are not things. That is not the attitude that I really appreciate from fintechs. Uh, saying that you know you go in with the attitude that I am uh, I am going to make it everything uh, very easy and banks become irrelevant and uh, not not relevant in the scheme of things. That's a very wrong approach. You go in uh, into a partnership with a bank, saying that you know listen you're great at doing whatever you are doing, but there's a speed to market that a fintech is able to achieve, or you know make it more viable for a bank to give those services to a new segment of users, which would have otherwise been Either unbanked or you know uh, existing only in the retail uh, part of the banking part, uh, and make it more powerful uh, for the bank to reach out to the new segment of customers. And that is the attitude, and that is the partnership attitude that is really required uh, from fintechs um, in India and in other parts of the world. Going and saying that you know I can do better banking, not really. Banks definitely know banking much more than any of us. Put together their years of experience uh, beyond that and you know the great fund managers banks are absolutely required and they're not going anywhere right the uh, partnership starts at the point where bank says that okay yes uh, there is this new segment of users that i would want to reach out to and fintech says that i would help you achieve that and reach out to this segment of customers without it having to cost you money it and and that is where the partnership really starts that if you put fintechs and uh, the banking layer the financial institution together then there's a lot of things that you can achieve uh, be it reaching out to new segments of users be it finding better ways to service the existing customers be it uh, you know providing a better user experience uh, or uh, you know re reaching out and you know getting into different kinds of services as well uh, that a typical you know bank might not have actually gone into um, like for example banking and accounting together right uh, the ability to drive uh, power and uh, you know reduce the time for the end customer uh, is possible only because of that partnership between a bank and a fintech uh, coming together um, so maybe let's talk a little about open now. Uh, please help us understand what are the capabilities that you are you have built, and what are the capabilities that you're looking to build going forward uh, to tap into, say, the rural market, which is where the mass market is, even for SMEs, um, and to uh, you know improve profitability, uh, because that has always been a key challenge for new banks across globally as well as in India. Um, do uh, share some insights with us on this. Yeah. So, Devika, uh, as it goes, um, you know, uh, we started with a new banking approach, wherein we have a partner bank or a couple of partner banks now, and uh, you know, uh, you start with the current account, which is the you know core of see it as the heart of the entire new banking engine, and around that, uh, build tools. Uh, everything that is required to ensure that you're able to reconcile all the money that is coming into the account. Now, be it uh, in, in the form of invoicing tools, accounting tools, 
uh, you know raising e-way bills or uh, you know uh, and different you know variants of that purchase order and a lot of other things uh, complexities are there in the scheme of it be it online collections in the form of a payment gateway or a payment link um, so all the ways that money comes into the account uh, you know try to expose as many layers uh, possible to try and identify where all the money is coming from and then ultimately once the money is come in and when you're using the funds uh, for doing a vendor payout or paying salaries, tagging it to the appropriate, uh, you know, categories, um, ensuring that, you know, there are mechanisms in place for that to happen so that you're able to, uh, you know, you exactly know where the money is coming from and where, where it's going to. So otherwise, you, uh, you just uh, reduce the need for having multiple bank accounts. The main account itself becomes powerful enough uh, because auto reconciliation kicks in and uh, you know they are able to do automated accounting then all the other things like building profit and loss report balance sheet and you know all your standard bookkeeping reports just becomes so much more easier uh, rather than you know getting in manual intervention to it uh, to integrating a lot of other things like expense management uh, you know the ability to uh, take your business online uh, or come up with a, you know, uh, if someone wants to now, especially during the pandemic, we've seen a growth of, you know, businesses going online, traditional businesses going online, wanting to build an online presence for themselves. Now, uh, you know, whether you want to integrate it uh, along with a tool to start an e-commerce website or uh, for, for a store to quickly, you know, go online um, and, and, you know, start selling online uh, through Facebook or through other platforms bringing a lot of those powerful tools and integrating it directly into the banking layer. So those are things that we've been able to achieve uh, so far, um, you know, in our three-year-old journey, um, three-and-a-half-year-old journey now with uh, Open. Now, going forward, yeah, we would love to see how we sit on a lot of data about the, you know, businesses who use our platform, how this can be used along with the partner bank to give better lending or, uh, you know, better access to funds. Uh, if there's an intelligent, more intelligent way to, you know, underwrite uh, loans for these SMEs, those are things that we would, uh, you know, see working uh, going forward along with our banking partners. Um, there's a lot of data we have in terms of receivables, payables, what their, you know, uh, payable cycle is, receivable cycle is, working along with uh, banks and NBFCs too. Uh, underwrite those loans, help them decide on loans, and you know, uh, making that accessible to the SMEs is something that um, you know we are actively working on right now. And uh, as you said, very truly, uh, you know, so far most of our users have been from Tier One and Tier Two. Tier Three is a it's a different ball game altogether. There's a lot of localization, regionalization that is required when you're going into Tier Three. So that uh, definitely would be, you know, things that we would be looking to uh, do as we grow into the tertiary market in India as well. Mabel, you mentioned the pandemic, so it will uh, be very important for us to also understand what the impact of the pandemic has been on open. So uh, fintech overall didn't see so much of a bad impact. In fact, uh, it's only been, a, you know, good impact, a positive uh, impact, thankfully, for uh, fintech uh, as a segment in India. We saw a growth uh, in the number of you know, users who are adopting the platform. Going into the lockdown, lock, going into the pandemic, we were somewhere around four and a half lakh SMEs who are using our platform. Over the you know, past few months, we've seen that grow 
to uh, roughly 700,000, that's 7 lakh users who are using the platform today. You've seen a surge in terms of transactions as well. Today we process more than uh, $15 billion in transactions through our platform. So those are some of the things that we have seen. Uh, uh, definitely a new segment of people who are going online who are otherwise offline, like your you know, gym instructor, yoga tutor, you know, tuition teacher. These are all uh, now suddenly also the micro entrepreneurs who uh, have gone online with their businesses rather than you know, just uh, the traditional format of just collecting payments over cash or Google Pay. They are the segment that have started realizing that uh, other, earlier, if you see, they would have been in the retail savings account part of uh, banking because, yeah, they were, I wouldn't say they were unbanked, they were definitely banked, but uh, at the same time, they were always using their savings account for collecting payments because they would just have a small, you know, society or, you know, one area of a city where they cater to. But suddenly the guy who is sitting in Indra Nagar is able to train someone sitting in Gurgaon. So his business is boomed, right? The yoga instructor is suddenly seen a surge in uh, demand of uh, his businesses and he's able to cross borders and uh, state borders and you know tutor someone sitting in some other state or some other country altogether. So that's when you know he started taking it, it more as a business uh, and more seriously. And you know you started seeing the segment of people coming into the business banking realm of it. They suddenly started saying that, can I get a current account? You know, can I get a, you know, oh, oh my client in US is asking me to uh, send payments. Now, how do I go about collecting international payments? Um, the, these these uh, segment of people became online only because of the pandemic. And that is the surge that we have seen in, in terms of adoption on our platform as well. So even that sounds very promising. Uh, and I'm sure that the growth that you envisage, you will deliver over and above that. But in order to do that, regulations, you mentioned RBI and how strict and strong a regulator RBI is. It's, it's considered one of the top three in the world, if I'm not mistaken. So I would like to understand from you that what are the challenges that new banks today face when it comes to regulations? And what is the wish list that you you would like to have? I know that uh, we are still to see a license being given to digital banks, but there would be, apart from that, there would be certain wish lists, certain regulations you would like uh, to be seen uh, unfold that would help scale up this opportunity quicker. And uh, like I said, in a far more integrated way along with the traditional banks. Yeah, because so as I mentioned earlier, RBI, yeah, rightly you said it, uh, you know, RBI is among the top three regulators in the world. And uh, they are a very proactive regulator. I've seen it before uh, when it came to, uh, you know, cryptocurrency or uh, whatever. We, we've seen them, you know, actively taking, uh, they're always conscious of what is happening in different parts of the world and they are constantly noting that. Uh, when it comes to neo banking per se, there's no clear, uh, you know, regulation out there. Um, eventually, we do see that you know there would be a digital banking license or something similar to what's happening in Indonesia and uh, Singapore, Malaysia, and those markets. Um, you know, uh, coming into the Indian, uh, you know, fintech world as well. So that's something that uh, would eventually happen. But uh, at the same time, uh, you know. Uh, my wish list from the regulator per se would be that uh, uh, it, it would be good to have some kind of a guideline on how a bank and fintech partnership happens. 
uh, what are the basic criteria that you know we need to save for example is it iso compliance or you know whatever pcadss compliance those things would uh, bring in some clarity around uh, you know uh, what are the things that are required and then it will become more easy to partner with uh, multiple banks otherwise today you know uh, you complete uh, all the things that are required from the business teams from the product team from the technical team and then finally you reach the compliance team and you know everything gets stuck um, at different levels so knowing what what is the compliance that a you know fintech needs to do in order to work with a bank um, that would be really helpful and some clarity around that would be uh, really helpful so moving on mebel i would now like to actually know a little more about you and what i'm extremely interested in knowing is this is your fourth startup right and uh, please share with us what have been your key learnings through your entrepreneurial journey from one startup to the other uh, what have you learned along the way and were there days when you felt very lost and very challenged and you said ki you know this is impossible to do and we should kind of move on to something else what have been your highs and what have been your lows but very importantly what have been the learnings that have kind of evolved uh from one startup to the other over the last 13 years so uh, very true uh, devika that you know there have been my highs and my lows i would say my biggest highs right now uh when i'm doing things with open and i'm seeing you know uh, adoption for things that we have built and it's a very big high that i get uh, from from seeing user adoption um and i see i get that high because that is also my key learning in all these years of doing startups that you know i we keep focusing on building uh, the perfect product the perfect this the perfect that but really what we as entrepreneurs should do is build things that the user wants and knowing who that user is is really important i wasted i heard it alerted the wrong way or the hard way uh, in nativity and that was you know the biggest failure i have seen in my life uh, after trying to do nfc payments for almost one and a half years with a 50 member team um i had to lay them off and you know uh, at the same time do whatever best you can in that situation so you know sending their resumes to people in my network trying to get them placed through placement consultants or by directly reaching out to founders those were things that i've done uh, when i when it was uh, you know when near to t was happening and uh, my biggest you know premise then was if i give a sim card to a user uh, so there was a definite lack of nfc phones in the market uh, this and this time talking about you know 2009 2010 uh, time period where there was no mention of nfc phones at all in the indian market and we were working breaking our heads on you know trying to convert the existing phones into a nfc device and two ways we could do that was one either a sticker that you can stick onto onto the phone uh, and mastercard had these masterpass uh, stickers that could be used or uh, you know uh, having securely you know changing something that resides inside the phone now for you know indian banks to be comfortable it had to be something that resides inside the phone uh, and not something that can be just you know peeled off from outside the phone and hence we had to look at sim cards and the moment you say sim cards uh, it's not that you know any bloke on the road can go and order sim card you need to be working with a mobile operator right so our basic premise was the fact that if i give a sim card to someone uh, and tell them you know this will convert your phone into nfc and you can just go and tap and make payments wherever you want uh, people would you know adopt to that but uh, that was horribly wrong you know i spent a lot of time 
almost one and a half years trying to build that entire technology and all of that. Then all I should have done was go down and ask someone on the road that if I give you a SIM card, will you change your SIM card, right? And that is that was a very hard learning for me. Uh, that's when I figured out that you know whatever you want to do, you should know absolutely crystal clear as to who your user is. First, know your audience, know your customer, KYC. That's what banks also teach us, KYC, right? And uh, know who that person is who is going to use your product, and then understand what he what his real needs are and uh, start focusing on catering to those needs. And then you don't have to worry about product market fit ever, right? And that was a very hard learning, uh, but that's something that remains with us. And that's a very core focus for us, um, you know, be it from, from the starting days of open internet, we took user experience and user feedback really important. And, uh, you know, we focused a lot around building things around the same thing. Now, the other thing for us in open is that we don't wait to build the perfect product. You build something that is decently acceptable, put it to the user, let him figure out, uh, you know, come out with uh, two other, three other things that are required and then start building and working around achieving that. And uh, otherwise, you know, as entrepreneurs, I've seen many, uh, you know, other entrepreneurs wasting a lot of time in trying to achieve everything perfect, that perfection should be there before you put things out. Uh, it doesn't really happen that way. Also curious to know, how has your leadership style evolved over these years? Uh, again, while we learned about how, what the key learnings have been, has there been a change in the leadership style as well? And Definitely. also you are co you are co-co-founders at Open. So how uh, how uh, do you share the uh, responsibilities? What are the roles that have been inscribed to each one of you? And how is the collaboration and the synergy between all of you? Absolutely, very important parts of doing a startup. Um, you know, we are four, four co-founders. Uh, Anish, he's the CEO, and he also leads the business strategy and the banking alliances. You know, everything, all of those has happened with him. I look at operations and marketing. Uh, those are my core forties, and uh, you know, uh, so marketing and operations come to me. We have Ajish, who is the CTO. He takes care of all things engineering, uh, you know, under uh, Ajish. And we have Dina, who is the CFO, um, and you know, she is an absolute brilliant woman, badass woman uh, CFO uh, that you can find. And you know, we have very clear four areas that we look in for our uh, startup. And then she also heads the lending and wealth management uh, product units that we are working on, right? So those are very clear four areas. And that's really important to have that uh, in your founding team, know what your core responsibilities are so that you're not you know, overlapping into each other's territory. Or, and that actually takes off a lot of chaos. Otherwise, I've seen so many other startups failing just because, you know, the founders just couldn't get their heads around, you know, who is responsible for what, right? So that was uh, one good thing for us um, at Open. As, as founders, we have very four clear areas uh, that we operate on. And that brings in uh, a lot of synergy and we have the same vision. So sharing the vision, knowing what you're, uh, you know, uh, trying to achieve and where you're going, that uh, goes a long way in building what kind of a leader you are. And uh, between my startups, yes, definitely, you know, the leadership has thrown a different challenge altogether every single time. 
so cash next again was uh, you know 25 member team much smaller team uh, easy to fly around uh, mostly same way near to the 50 member team uh, had to lay off uh, folks so that showed a different kind of leadership uh, challenge altogether when you have to lay off people uh, they don't really understand your rationale but at the same time you know playing around uh, and trying to help them out in whichever way possible uh, does add you know something back because uh, every single person who was who was part of my university team is still in touch with me they are not always in open but they are still very much in touch with me and you know keep on updating me about whatever is happening in their lives so that was very important for me as a leader at that point of time it's which because i was the biggy billy starting you know after a failure uh, was a very small team uh, you know hardly five of us who were uh, doing switch which eventually got acquired by citrusby we joined uh, citrusby as employees and then when we were starting open all of us came out and you know we started uh, open together so uh, that it wouldn't be so much of a leadership challenge for me in switch open has been quite a challenge like, you know from the day we started we were like you know eight of us who started it to uh, we are around 250 of us today uh, growing and scaling this company every single time you know has you know added on it's quite a task to maintain manage uh, 250 people uh, getting everyone culturally aligned is something that we focus a lot on and there's a lot of emphasis on hiring people not just we just don't go for people for uh, basis their degrees uh, definitely you know your qualification does matter but at the same time the culture fit uh, is something that we uh, openly look for and hence i don't have a human resources team i have we call it the people and culture team at open because it is about a person who is coming in and the culture he brings in that uh, goes around uh, you know knowing whether how he is going to behave within the company how he behaves after he leaves us as well uh, all of that matters in hence hiring the right culture fit is uh, something that we look at um with priority at, at open at very uh, at some point of time i would definitely see there was a lot of focus on hiring more women and we didn't have to put too much conscious effort on that uh, on that front uh, so uh, per se because we are two women in a co-founding team so naturally with women leaders attract more women talent to come into the company uh, as well so for a very long time we had a 50 50 split of people but obviously when you're scaling uh, certain teams from sales and engineering uh, we flipped that ratio a little bit but still uh, we are very close to 40% uh, women in, you know, within the company um, and that's something that you know we want to keep growing as a ratio and you know try to get back to the 50-50 that we were um, earlier as well and uh, there's a lot of focus on uh, the employee well-being per se and not just the physical physical is what everyone does but you know the mental well-being so we do have a well-being officer who takes care of the mental well-being of uh, of our employees and uh, happy you know happy team leads to happy customers so there's no other uh, you know better formula to having happy customers than having a happy team uh, to cater to them that's very true amable um, happy team leads to happy work more productivity and then happy customers i completely agree with you along the journey mable um i'm also very uh, uh, eager to know uh, who has been your inspiration 
Uh, what has inspired you? Because again, like I said, it's not easy to be a serial entrepreneur of the nature and of the kind of uh, uh, startups you have founded. So what has kept you inspired? I would say a couple of things. Uh, the very first would be my own mother. She was a banker. Um, I have both parents who are bankers, actually. Uh, my dad was spent 42 years in State Bank of India. My mom retired after 39 years in IDBI. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, I've seen women bankers from the very, you know, small age that I remember. And I literally grew up in the parking lot of IDBI Bank. So seeing my mother being how she was as a leader, uh, as a woman banker, among her, her leadership skills, whatever she developed over you know, various courses of training that banks put you to uh, as well and, and a lot of things that she would pass it on to me. So that is definitely a constant inspiration I have in my life. And uh, so when it comes to women and leadership, uh, definitely my mother. Otherwise, uh, I would say my ex-bosses, Amrisha and Jitendra Gupta, they were big inspirations. Uh, I learned a lot in uh, you know seeing them at Citrus Bay, how they were you know treating the team, how they took took over the startup, how they were running the startup. They gave me great insights on uh, you know what a company looks like. Uh, you know what are the things that a company when you from you you are a startup, you are a small team to when you are a company, you know how things change uh, dramatically, and you know uh, what kind of leadership and what type of skills are required for every stage of your growth. Uh, those are great things that I've learned from uh, my mentors, Amrish and Jitin. Mabel, you're one of the most inspiring uh, leaders that we have in the fintech space, especially amongst women. And I would like you to share what is the advice that you would give to aspiring Mabel Chakos uh, to help them pursue their dreams? So uh, women always have a tough way. I do believe that, you know, while women in fintech is a great segment to be in, but, uh, you know, women do have it uh, uh, the hard way all the time because as Indian women, you are, you are a caregiver at home. You have home duties and a lot of other things that can bog you down from, you know, chasing your dreams and, you know, trying to take off and, you know, start following your passion. My advice to every single entrepreneur or and every single women entrepreneur in particular is never shy away from chasing your dreams, never shy away from following your passion. There's a lot of struggle, yes, definitely, but it's worth it every single day that you're doing and being your own boss. Uh, every single day, uh, it, 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 you know, every learning that you get, it makes it totally worth it. Uh, start up, stand up for yourself and live your dream, keep dreaming because dreams do come true, mind it, theirs will too. Thank you so much, Mabel. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for your time and wishing you and team open continued success. May you grow from strength to strength. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Devika and team RBL. Wonderful having this conversation. Mm -hmm.